0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The world of private equity has been in a shambles since the onset of the financial crisis, but some executives see that as an opportunity rather than a threat. Among them is David N. Roberts, Senior Managing Director of Angelo Gordon, who manages the firm's private equity business. A 16-year veteran of the firm, Roberts also founded the firm's opportunistic real estate area. During a visit to campus recently, Roberts pointed out that while the government's stimulus programs have not yet had a widespread impact, some opportunities are starting to open up that could ease the credit crunch.
1: Uh, David, thank you so much for uh, joining Knowledge at Wharton Podcast today.
0: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: To begin with I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about you know the the 16 year career that you've had in private equity uh, and and some of the opportunities that you, that you see today because of uh, uh, both the crisis in private equity as well as some of the government funding that's coming into through the bailouts
0: Well private equity like m- most alternative investment strategies is cyclical and it is perhaps too simple to say but I think Also, there's a lot of accuracy that it is a good time to buy when valuations and multiples are low and there's not a lot of debt that's available. And in hindsight, it wasn't a very good time to buy when the opposite was the case, when everybody was uh, when lenders were throwing debt at everybody and multiples were high. You now have a situation where it's very hard to borrow. Uh, That is forcing acquisition multiples down. There aren't a lot of sellers yet, but we believe there will be because of the necessity to deleverage. And so we think over the next few years will be a very good time to be putting money to work in private equity and um, finding very good values.
1: Now we we read in the papers uh, about the government's uh, stimulus packages and the bailout funds. Uh, are you starting to see any effect at all of uh, the government's efforts to uh, prop up the market? I think
0: that the gover- I I don't think there's been any real effect yet from the stimulus that you can point to. I think that the best government programs are the ones where the government is stepping into the financing markets in a creative way and trying to lower credit spreads so that, uh, for example, they've just started something called TALF, T-A-L-F, where they're making uh, money available to make loans to help people like us buy AAA-rated securities. What that is doing, and it's just really started, is that is going to make other AAA securities trade at lower interest rates, and that will trickle through the economy and make credit more available. I do think people have to be patient. These programs are not going to be ushered in overnight. They're very complicated. There are a lot of issues to get through, but I have a lot of confidence that the people in government uh, know what they're doing and that they will eventually... Uh, get these programs going in size.
1: Uh, are you seeing any deals already? And if so, uh, what, what kind are they?
0: The first few deals that have come out are in this program called TALF. Uh, my firm has not yet participated, uh, although we're interested in participating and we'll, we'll look to participate uh, as we see more and more transactions.
1: What are some of the other trends that you are seeing in a nascent form in, in private equity these days?
0: Well, I think everyone is having to adjust to uh, at least two major trends. One trend is uh, most people have legacy portfolios where they have companies they have to deal with and decide, is this company worth nursing back to health? Is there a way of restructuring the balance sheet? How do I preserve value? Does it make sense to put capital in? So I think a lot of private equity talent and energy is being devoted to that. I think the second trend is that the traditional leverage buyout is off the table for now and for the foreseeable future. So when we're looking at transactions, by and large, we're looking at transactions that have no leverage. Where you're buying all equity, and therefore you have to come up with prices and returns that make sense in that context. And we're finding some situations, but they're few and far between.
1: You referred definitely to to TALF, which is one of the sources of funds for people. Uh, how are the deals these days being funded uh, in this uh, tight credit situation?
0: Well, there's not apart from the government. There's not a lot of leverage being offered at prices that are reasonable, and that's part of the the issue. If you're considering making a new loan or making a new investment, you have to compare that to loans that are already outstanding in the secondary market and where you could buy them. And you can buy um, fairly high-quality loans by any sort of historical measure to yield in the 12 to 15% range uh, if you know what you're doing and you have the research capability. so For anyone thinking about making a new loan, it makes sense to try to compare that to what you can buy in the secondary market and therefore, a lot of what the government is trying to do is to get those spreads to compress, to be lower, which in turn will uh, incentivize banks and other financial institutions to make loans that are new. But until the existing spreads go lower, it's very hard to justify new credit.
1: Looking a few years out, uh, considering the trauma that private equity and and basically the financial industry overall is going through, uh, how do you expect uh, private equity to be transformed in the future?
0: Well, I think a lot of institutions will be disappointed with the returns that Will have been earned in the monies that were raised in two thousand and six and or put to work I should say in two thousand and six two thousand and seven, so I think that the private equity business will shrink in terms of the number of firms and and probably the amount of money that's that's at work um, but i I think it is still an asset class that can provide good returns and and you'll still see sophisticated investors and institutions want to participate in it. Um, I think what you will probably see, though, after the cycle is people recognizing the cyclical nature of it, uh, like many other asset classes where uh, you want to be careful as to when you invest in it. I, I think that the idea that you should Always be investing the same amount in private equity every vintage year, as it's called, uh, may may be challenged.
1: Coming from sort of the uh, the the global look at private equity as a whole to uh, to your firm, uh, you you've been in the leadership uh, uh, role at Angelo Gordon for for a while. Uh, How did your firm get? Impacted by the transformation of the market, and what strategies did you adopt to to deal with this change?
0: We um we've always been a firm that uh, you know has strived to I would say in a baseball analogy although I'm a Mets fan I don't like using that in Philadelphia we've always been a firm that strives to hit singles and doubles. Uh, we have traditionally not used a lot of leverage. Uh, we've been conservative in terms, of our, in terms of our funding. So while we generally have been um, long, and we're, and we're generally not short sellers, so while we've been long debt and seen some you know, mark-to-market uh, corrections, uh, we have uh, survived and thankfully have money to deploy in, in this environment. And we've actually been growing and hiring people as well.
1: Where do you see the opportunities for growth? Uh,
0: we have uh, we have a new unit that uh, we brought on board last year that invests in residential mortgage backed securities. Uh, we saw that as a as a big opportunity, uh, and that's a huge market. We continue to think that's a that's a that's a big opportunity. Um, we uh, have added to the area that I oversee. Private equity. Recently, we we hired uh, a senior person to add on to our staff because we see a lot of opportunities there.
1: Do you plan to change your strategy at all in in, in uh, this environment? And uh, if so, how?
0: I think that you need to uh, you need to take two things into account in private equity when you're pricing a deal. One is you cannot count on leverage to very much if at all. Uh, and so you have to structure and price a deal with that in mind. Number two, you have to price in a, con- a continued downturn. And I don't know what whether you know, it depends on the industry and the company, but you can't count on this turning around very quickly. And all of a sudden, there being great economic recovery in, in 2010, for example. So uh, that leads you to price very conservatively and, and to be patient. Um, but we are out there very aggressively looking because in order to find the right situations, you have to look at a lot of situations until you find the right ones.
1: What makes the situation the right one from your perspective?
0: In this environment, it's typically going to be a seller that doesn't have a choice about selling. If you owned a company and you were not in any hurry to sell and you thought the company's uh, prospects long term were quite good, this would not be a very good time to sell. So it is uh, what I would call an exogenous factor. And in this environment, that typically means that a company has too much debt and so they either need to uh, change their capital structure and change their debt into equity and they need an infusion of. Of, of equity, which gives us an opportunity to take ownership. Uh, or it might be a company that needs liquidity because it's over leveraged and needs to sell part of itself uh, quickly. So I think what we're going to be f- looking at are more forced sellers and um, you know, we have certain industries that we like to look at, including financial services, including healthcare services. We're doing a lot of looking in the consumer retail area, but that's a still a very scary area and uh, one we haven't done very much in lately.
1: Could you give an example of a deal that you did and, and how exactly uh, it, it followed the principles that you just described?
0: Sure. We um, we have a. Uh, uh, we do all sorts of what I would call unusual uh, niche uh, transactions. And one of the businesses that we're, that we're in is buying used semiconductor manufacturing equipment. Uh, we've done a number of transactions over the last seven years or so. Had not found a portfolio to buy for, for the last two or three years because the competition had grown quite fierce we found a transaction recently where we felt the pricing used, used no leverage and we felt that the pricing um, compensated us for uh, – so that we could assume a much longer time frame to sell and um, take into account the current recession or depression in the semiconductor manufacturing area. Uh, but it's – a very inefficient, illiquid market. So that's an example of something we've done recently.
1: You you just spoke a little earlier about how you expect private equity uh, as an industry to change in the future. Uh, As a firm, what kind of capabilities do you think uh, you will need to succeed in the new environment? And also as an individual, what are you doing to build those kinds of capabilities?
0: Well, You know, private equity, um, there's still a lot of private equity capital that's out there. So you're always competing with another firm. And I think that you have to present yourselves to uh, somebody, whether it's a management team or or a seller, as being uh, an attractive party, uh, an attractive counterparty. The way Angelo Gordon is built, we're a multi-strategy investment firm so under the same house the same roof we do a lot do a number of things including real estate distressed debt uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities residential mortgage-backed securities triple net lease and and so forth and of course private equity so we look for ways in which the other parts of the firm can help us get a bit smarter or maybe add value to a uh, uh, to a company through our, our knowledge or through our through our network, and um, you know, I would say the most important thing I've done recently is I made an opportunistic addition to my team—a very senior uh, uh, person from Goldman Sachs who is looking to move from the investment banking side to the uh, private equity buy side. There's a lot of very talented people out there, and just like there's a time where you can be opportunistic to make good investments. One of the most important things that you do at at any business is to, particularly in a service business like we have, is to find the right people. And I so I think that this is not this is a time not only to make great investments in companies, but also great investments in people.
1: That that's that's really a, a great point. Uh, looking back on your uh, career. What would you say is the, the the single biggest leadership challenge you have faced? And and how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it?
0: I think that um I think that a big uh you know a big challenge for me was when I transitioned I I started the the real estate group at at Angelo Gordon uh in the early 90s and I was a financial real estate person. I could analyze a property in terms of the financial characteristics and there was a lot for sale and it was relatively easy to buy things at very big discounts and make a lot of money i realized uh three or four years into it that this was going to this could be a terrific business for our firm but that really to grow and to be there to be able to compete effectively uh, I thought we needed somebody who had more re- what I'll call real real estate experience than I had had, not just from the financial side. So I made the decision that I should go and effectively find someone who is better than I was and replace myself and go off and start a private equity effort, which, which I did. Um, but it was, uh, I think it's it's always good to Ask yourself, am I the best person at doing what I'm doing? Can I find somebody who's, who's better than I am? And uh, it's difficult and humbling to say to yourself, yes, there is somebody who can do the job better, and I should go out and find that, find that person. And I think I, I go back to that a lot when I'm thinking about uh, different tasks and who should do what, and am, am I the right person to do this, or is there somebody better Uh, And I think that may be a more important overall general skill than any specific skill that that one can have.
1: That's a very fascinating answer. Thank you for that. Uh, One last question. Uh, How do you define success?
0: I, um, well, first and foremost, I couldn't define myself as being successful uh, without the context of family, so, my uh, wife of twenty-three and a half years, uh, who's my best friend and the love of my life, and three children who make me laugh more than anyone else. So I start with that as a as a premise, and then um, I think uh, ha, you know success has a number of parts to it. I look forward to what I do every day. I feel rewarded both materially and and intellectually, and I think to me both are. Uh, both are important, um, and I think just kind of looking forward to the future is a very key part of, uh, of success, and I, I do look forward to the future.
1: Great. Uh, David, thank you so much for speaking with us today.
0: It was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.